I, you know, I don't think you can be mad at that at all, man. <clears throat> I honestly went into the series, um, for some reason, still pessimistic, not pessimistic, but a little skeptical and was saying to myself, at best, they'll probably take two out of three at best. They ended up taking two out of three and almost taking the series. They were 60 feet away from at least, uh, going an extra inning. But, um, yeah, I can't complain. I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Uh, let's talk about it. This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes This down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett. He does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. Creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Yankees win! All right. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are tuning in to episode 364 of BD4. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. <clears throat> Excuse me. We also do MMA now, too. Yankees every series, Knicks every game, MMA on the weekends. Actually, uh, we actually just released um, episode 363 a few days ago, where we did our MMA Saturday UFC 274 preview. Um, definitely go and check that episode out. We talk about a few of the fights on the main card and give some predictions, some thoughts on some certain storylines and such. So go check out episode 363, which was the last episode heading into the one you're currently listening to. Um, again, where we talk some MMA, some UFC. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Um, yeah, if you want to follow and subscribe and download these episodes, follow the podcast, subscribe to it. Whatever, be sure to do that if you have not yet. Um, if you do enjoy these episodes, download them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch the video format of the podcast on YouTube and Spotify. And you all know the routine. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm on social media on my Facebook. That's Facebook r.j.carbone. Put that into the search bar. And I'm also on Instagram. I'm active there at Rob J Carbone. All right. So I just I'm actually watching this um, Phoenix Suns Dallas Mavericks game two just finished up. The Suns are now up 2-0 in this series after a big win. What the hell is that dude wearing? I'm sorry. Um, the Suns are up 2-0. That's pretty impressive. Chris Paul is ridiculous. All game long, I was just watching him at all. I mean, how many performances has he had in the playoffs where they make you go, how does this dude not have a championship ring? Um, the Yankees, they they took two out of three in Toronto, which again, um, at the very, very top of the show, Moments ago, I said I would definitely take two out of three heading into the series. I was not expecting the streak to go to 11. I thought nine was where it was going to end. 
Um, definitely 10 because I didn't think we had a shot in the middle game against uh, Manoa. But the Yankees end up taking the first two and almost at least going an extra inning in game three, which I thought if they were to, they probably would have taken it. Um, but yeah, the Yankees win. They hand the Jays their first series loss of the season. And the Yankees, heading into this game at least, their winning percentage was equivalent to taking three out of four. If they had a four-game series every game, their win percentage was 75%. So it's equivalent to winning three out of every four games. So listen, they're having a phenomenal year so far. Um, they've got the best record in baseball. And, you know, I was listening to Talking Yanks just a few moments ago and before I hopped on here. And just, you know, one of the things they said about what's really impressive with the Yankees and what's really a good, you know, positive indicator is that their wins this year, a lot of them have been easy wins. And a lot of the losses they've had, as weird as it sounds, have been tough losses, which are good. Right, that's what you want from a, a team that's supposed to be elite. And even this series, they responded to a lot of the runs they gave up with the bounce back getting the very next half frame. So, yeah, I'm not disappointed at all. I think I think this was a good series. Now, it took me a few moments to collect myself. I was very heated, very heated. In the moment there at the end of Game 3, um, I have some nitpicks about it, which of course we'll dive into, but good series for the Yankees, and I figure we'll, we'll jump right into the episode and start talking about it. First, let's head to break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. don't follow any bullshit that has to do with like celebrities and pop culture and anything like that but like my family's talking about it a lot of people I know are bringing it up so I you know I was on I was in bed the other night couldn't sleep okay and I tried to resist the urge but I'm like fuck it let me just go check on what this is all about and I you know I was doing a little bit of uh watching a little of that trial and I, again, I, I don't pay attention to this shit, but I'm watching, you know, the testimony of Depp. And then I'm watching earlier today, I was even tuning in um, when I got home, um, Hurd's testimony. And just like the one thing I can think, the one takeaway I have from that, we have to remember, these are two actors on trial here. One of them is an A-grade, A-level actor. <laughs> who's been doing it since he was a teenager. 
So I just want to point that out. Like they're very good at what they do. They can persuade you in and is it persuade? Persuade. They can get you to buy into their emotions, and they are very manipulative like that. I just want to say, but but the, the chick is crazy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, from what I'm hearing and watching, again, I, I haven't paid too much attention, but from what I see, <laughs> shit is crazy. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up, but I did. Uh, listen, let's, let's talk about the Yankees because, again, good series. Um, you'll definitely take two out of three in Toronto. Now we head back home after the off day tomorrow to host the Texas Rangers in the best of three. Um, first, let's start off with our NYY, NYK question of the day to warm up our brains. Let's get to it. All right, so for this episode, episode 364, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day. Which former Yankee missed a total of just 14 regular season games from 2007 to 2013? Which former Yankee missed a total of... Of just 14 regular season games from 2007 to 2013. Kind of a random, more random question. Uh, But if you think a little bit, you might just get it. We haven't had many durable players over the years. So this could be easier than than I think. Um, But if you know the answer, then let me know. Reach out to me wherever you can reach out to me. And um, if you attempt to guess the answer but get it incorrect, but you at least attempt to guess, I will let you know what the answer is in the next show. If you attempt to guess the answer and get it correct, well, I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. Alright? So one last time, our NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day for episode 364 before we start the show. Which former Yankee missed a total of just 14 regular season games from 2007 to 2013? So on, what was it? Monday? No. Was it Tuesday? I think it was Monday. Yeah. As I'm recording, guys, it's um, Wednesday, May 4th. Alright? As you are listening, it should be Thursday, May 5th. But the first game of this Yankees-Blue Jays series took place Monday. It took place Monday earlier this week. And the Yankees took that one. They grabbed it 3-2. It was Jordan Montgomery going up against Stripling. Top of the first inning, Yankees had a little bit of a shot. Judge with the base hit. A one-out base hit, but he was eventually stranded. Bottom of the first, Stringer... Uh, Stringer. Springer. That was... Uh, Watching too much of The Wire. Trying to catch up on that. Because um, I think there's like a sequel out or something that has to do with The Wire. Uh, Springer, a leadoff base hit in the bottom of the first. But later, that goes to uh, into the trash can as, as uh, Monty gets Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to ground into a double play. Second inning, both pitchers go 1-2-3. 
Top of the third, the Yankees strand second and third. They get nothing out of it. Top of the fourth, though, they finally crack when Glaber Torres, with a man on base, goes deep off Stripling. 2-0 Yankees with a bomb. Stripling ends up going four innings pitched, allows six hits, two runs, three strikeouts, does not surrender a single walk, and um, tosses 63 pitches. Bottom of the fourth comes along. Montgomery fails to get the shutdown inning for the Yankees, which is my favorite thing in the world when pitchers do that and let up runs right away. Um, It's an RBI double to Bichette. Then he issues an RBI single to Chapman, Matt Chapman. And it's a tie game at two after four. But the bottom of the fifth comes Monty with a big rebound of an inning. He goes one, two, three. He ends up finishing with the strong line. Five plus innings, six hits allowed, two runs, five Ks, did not issue a walk. 65 pitches thrown. Now, he starts out the game, I think I it was, was um, I think they said he had first pitch strikes to his first 11 batters faced, which is very common for someone like Montgomery. He's always throwing first pitch strikes. Um, and he was pitching well. You know, the one bad inning where he failed to get the shutdown in the fourth, but he goes back out. He's allowed back out for the sixth. Boone puts him back out there, but again, it's on an incredibly short leash. An incredibly short leash. He lets up a base hit right away, and just like that, he's gone. And what's Monty do? He does what he always does. He storms off the mound, fuming like it's in his contract. (laughs) And listen, I understand the move. Um, We've got a lockdown bullpen. It is a tight game against the Toronto Blue Jays. But if I'm in Jordan Montgomery's shoes, I totally would be PO2, man. Again, he threw just 65 freaking pitches going into the sixth. 64 going into the sixth. He's a guy who's holding a 2-8 ERA for you so far this year. And every time he pitches... He's quality, and his team never scores for him. They never score runs for the poor bastard. So I would totally understand. I do totally understand Montgomery being a little ticked off as he walks off the mound every time. Your team doesn't score. You pitch your heart out. You're on such a short leash despite being so productive for this team. I get it. The 6th inning, the 7th inning, the 8th inning were all scoreless innings from both sides. Nobody puts up a run. Until, of course, the top of the ninth, when Giancarlo leads off the frame with a base hit off Garcia. Glaber then, with the big hit, with two outs, um, comes through with an RBI base hit to center field. And this puts the Yankees up 3-2 to two and gives them the win. After Montgomery, it's Lasagna, Castro, Clay Holmes, and then Chad Green, which I thought going with Green there was very interesting. You know, he's kind of the uh, the anti-clutch reliever. Um, so going with him to close the game in a one-run game against the Jays was definitely interesting. But granted, he does get the job done. Two strikeouts and a perfect ninth or a clean ninth. Uh, anything else from this game? 
Stanton made an excellent catch in right field. And I was doing like today, earlier today, I was I was kind of, um, oh no, this was last night. I was bored and I was looking around, you know, I, I was hopping on fan graphs, all right? Occasionally, man, I like to look at some of the analytics and I was like, all right, let's see some of these Yankees defensive run save numbers for some of the guys on the, uh, around the diamond. There aren't many bad numbers. All of them are around zero or better. I mean, and Stanton, like, Stanton's career is pretty good in the outfield. But he made a phenomenal catch up against the wall, robbing, at the very least, an extra base hit. i got to look back at it to see if it was a home run. Um, but, yeah, it was a great catch. Um, and the Yankees took game one. Let's get, in, let's get into game two, though. Um, so on Tuesday night, the Yankees ended up blowing the Blue Jays out 9-1. to Doesn't tell the whole story. Um, Jamison Tyone going up against Alec Manoa. It was, it was, it was a pitcher's duel, as expected, for about four and a half innings. Bottom of the fifth comes, Tyone finally gives in. Um, it was a battle between him and Kirk. Kirk puts up a... Very high quality at bat. Then he ends up winning the battle with the, well, I think it was a double. Doubles down the line. And then with two outs, you get a catcher's interference uh, to Springer. He reaches base. Then Bo Bichette slaps the run in, bringing Kirk home with the RBI single. one nothing Toronto. The Yankees do answer back in the top of the sixth right away. Judge with the home run, 440 plus feet to left center. Changed the tune of the game for the Yankees, in my opinion. Uh, ties the game, but changed the tune. Um, Tyone ends up going six innings, five hits, one run, four strikeouts, not a walk on 71 pitches thrown. Because in the top of the seventh, first of all, this seventh inning was total chaos. Um, Donaldson and Marwin. Both produce RBI doubles. On the Donaldson double, you had Stanton going from first to home. <laughs> so Tim LaCastro, who... Um, so you have first and third with those two doubles um, eventually. For Jose Trevino. And Trevino, a fielder's choice eventually. He grounds it to Guerrero at first base. Okay. Guerrero fires home to catch Marwin in the third base to home plate rundown. Marwin going back and forth, back and forth, eventually evades the tag and scores. The crowd's bitching. Uh, You got Vlad Guerrero Jr. whining. The replay shows that Marwin was tagged. It was clear. But Toronto having lost their challenge already on a previous play in the inning, on a play where Stanton was running the first and Guerrero's foot came off the bag, they couldn't challenge anymore. So the Yankees end up getting that run, and it kind of just spirals out of control for Toronto from there. It's 4-1, to one, then Hicks rips a single, Judge rips a single, the Yankees end up scoring six runs in that top of the seventh inning, and it's 7-1. to one. 
So, you know, not to say the Yankees got lucky on that win because they scored runs before that play happened, but it could be a totally different ball game entering the final couple of innings had that call been correct. And then the top of the ninth comes in Giancarlo Stanton with a Stantonian tack-on home run, two-run shot to put a bow on it, and the Yankees win it 9-1. to Bottom of the ninth comes Litke in to close the game. He goes 1-2-3 in a couple of no-names, and then Kirk to finish out the ballgame. It was Peralta, Castro, and Litke in the 7th, 8, and 9. But yeah, good start for Jamison Tyone. Speaking of the starting pitching, you know, he hasn't had a bad start yet. It's either been very good or average at worst. And honestly, that's all I've been asking for from Jamison Tyone since he's come over here. He now holds a 2.84 ERA across, I believe, five starts now. Um, and he's been really good dating back to last August when he went on that very strong stretch to really conclude this season. So, and he's pitched well, he's pitched well against the Blue Jays twice now. This season, in 11 innings pitched, he's held them to three runs, 10 hits, and no walks. Um, I really appreciate what Tyon is doing right now. He's been very productive. He was throwing the cutter a lot again. That's seeming to become a thing with Yankee pitchers. It's a Matt Blake effect, as we've mentioned before. Um, he threw a lot of first pitch breaking balls, which was interesting. Uh, but you can say I'm I, I probably, you know, I'm officially a Tyone guy now. At first, I was a little meh on him. I didn't know. Um, my buddy's a Pirates fan, so, you know, there was like a start last year where Tyone blew up and in a bad way. And, like, I was just ranting to my friend, this guy sucks. Why'd you trade him to us? And I'm, Listen, I, I don't, I like him. I'm on the, the Tyone train now. I, I think he's a solid pitcher who um, I've got no issues with. If he can continue to pitch like this, I don't think he's going to post a sub three, but I think if he could be a solid number four as he's, um, as he is currently, that's great. And he's been pitching very well, um, above expectation so far this year. He only has two walks, just two walks in 25 and a third innings pitched this season. So again, his final line in game two here. Six innings pitched, one run, four Ks, no walks, five hits, two singles, and three doubles. That was rough, but doesn't let it harm him. So another great outing from Jamison Tyone, who continues to do his thing. And the Yankees win game two, make it 11 in a row. 11 wins in a row. That gave them an 18-6 and six record, which again, as I said earlier, that was a 750 win percentage, which means they are... They have been winning at an equivalent to three of every four games. Pretty damn cool. Um, and then game three. Let's get to game three. Can't win them all. Um, so, tonight, Wednesday night, and again, Wednesday is yesterday as you are listening or watching, the Yankees lose 2-1. to one. This was a game where Nestor Cortez goes up against Kikuchi. Nestor was kind of, I, I was, you know, heading into the game, I was joking, my brother and I were joking with each other how he's been so strong, so solid for the Yankees, not just this year, but dating back to the end of last season. As a starter, 
that we were waiting, kind of waiting for the the blow up game. Um, is is disrespectful as that sounds because it's like, you know, I just talked about it last episode. I think last Yankees episode how he's deserved to be talked about now as how good is he? Not is it going to end? But he was getting hit hard from the get go, so I felt like it was going to be another uh, his first like implosion game. Um, but it really wasn't. Uh, now at the bottom of the second, you know, him getting hit hard did come back to bite him when Chapman took him 420 feet to dead center. <laughs> but I don't know. That was kind of that. And, and one other was was it? One other run came across. It was one to one after three. Uh, bottom of the three. Or I'm sorry, after one to one after two innings, I think. But Toronto responds. Um, or the Yankees respond. I think Joey Gallo. He goes yard, and then um, and then Toronto responds in the bottom of the third. So they score in the second. We respond in the top of the third. They respond in the bottom of the third. So a lot of scoring in a little time frame there. Uh, when he leaves one up in the zone to Bichette for a double, then Guerrero goes down and gets a fastball for an RBI single. It's two to one Blue Jays. And, um, yeah, he was banged around a bit more, you know, but at the end of the day, he got out of it and finished with another acceptable line. Four innings, four hits, two runs, four walks, three Ks, 83 pitches, and a loss. But again, I mean, if this is your number five pitcher at his, you know, in his worst start of the season this year from your number five, you'll definitely take four innings, two runs. He's keeping your team in the game and giving your team a chance. So I, I had no issue, no real issue at all with Nestor's performance. Um, I thought Michael King was exceptional, though. He is, he's is he been phenomenal all year, but he comes in and in relief of Nestor, and he goes and does what he's been doing all year. Three perfect innings. Three perfect innings. Um... Just continuing to use that two-pitch combination with his sinker two-seamer, whatever it is, and his curveball. And those pitches were moving tonight. I mean, just excellent shape to him. Um, and then Clay Holmes, who's been just as good, maybe a little worse than Michael King, uh, just because he hasn't gone as many innings. He dominates. He pitches a clean eighth inning. It was really just the Yankee bats that couldn't get it done, man. Uh, they go dry. They go completely dry. Just five hits, four walks, ten strikeouts, 0 for 8, with runners in scoring position and seven left on base. Um, uh, sorry, I'm watching the game here. Watching the post game with no volume on, so it's not like it matters. First inning, the Yankees had a, a little bit of a shot. DJ LeMayu with a leadoff base hit. But then Rizzo continues to kind of crash down to earth a little bit. Grounds into a double play. Fourth inning, Judge with a leadoff walk. Also got nothing out of that. Sixth inning, had another shot. Higgy, a leadoff double. So three times in the first six innings, we lead off the inning with a base hit or, or getting on base. And we get nothing. Seventh inning comes. We get a couple of walks, but again, do nothing out of it. Eighth inning. Judge strikes out to end the inning. Boone is tossed. I love the fire. He was livid. We'll get to that. Ninth inning. 
Uh, Stanton and Donaldson with one out base hits. Aaron Hicks being Aaron Hicks did zero again. We will also get to that. Gallo walks to load the bases. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa ends the game with a ground out as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is able to keep his foot on the bag. The Yankees lose. Uh, The crowd's going nuts like it's the World Series. Vladimir Jr. acting like it's the World Series. A little odd, but, you know, I guess it makes sense because everybody is overrating the shit out of this team, so I guess it's getting to their ego. Um, Can you tell them better? But the Yankees lose. <laughs> I got a few things I want to say about this game and, and, and you know, this series overall. Um, first, let's get to our break. Stay with us. We, we'll be right back. Hey, guys. So I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media... Be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, sorry about that. Welcome back to the show. Episode 364, you are listening to or maybe watching BD4. Welcome to the podcast. You are once again listening to BD4, where there's no better way 
to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We do Yankees episodes every series, Knicks episodes every game. Oh, yeah, we also do MMA, too, on the weekends. Um, look forward to uh, a recap coming up of when uh, of UFC 274, which takes place on Saturday. That's going to be also awesome, Saturday the 7th. Um, welcome back to the show. So, yeah, the Yankees do lose the last game. So I loved, again, I loved that. I don't want to make this into a negative because I love that Boone during an 11-game win streak. You know, your team has the best record in baseball. Was as fuming hot as he was. I love that. It was another good sign that maybe the Yankees are actually carrying this FU mentality after all. If I'm going to nitpick a little bit, I kind of wish it was during the sixth inning. During that judge strikeout, because that call in the in the eighth inning was actually more understandable, and I think they were saying on the telecast it was technically a strike uh, in the auto zone, strike zone. But the one in the sixth inning where he actually struck out on, that was a ball, and that right there it was it was during the middle of the game. I feel like that could have been the best spot to do it, because it kind of worked, right? In the eighth inning, he gets tossed out the very last at-bat. And in the ninth inning, the Yankees kind of put together a little bit of a rally. Now, it's kind of a little bit of you know fallacy of the predetermined outcome, as Kay likes to mention all the time. But common sense tells you, you know, spark, you know providing that type of spark, there's a good chance you could, it could get your team going. And doing it in the sixth inning with four more frames to go, or three more frames to go, Maybe that's the best idea. Um, I know. It, it sounds very nitpicky as I just said it out loud. Um, I hate Aaron Hicks. Is it mental with him at this point? Is it like It's got to be mental. He's got to just be thinking about this constantly. Because I, I, does he change his approach way too much and, and just try to come through? Excuse me, because it's not working. He had one hit. He had one total hit all season long before last night with runners in scoring position. On the season, he's two for sixteen with runners in scoring position. That's a buck twenty-five. Absolutely dreadful. With men on base this season, meaning anywhere on base, he's batting four for twenty-six. That's a buck fifty-four. Three of those hits are singles, and his OPS with men on base. This was when I was listening to John Boy. He mentioned it was five seventy. He also has two caught stealings. I don't know what it is, but between swinging through changeups, the weak pop-ups, choppers from the left side, and the strikeouts looking. I just can't stand it anymore. And it sucks because he's having a, a very productive season. I went into the season thinking, you know, Hicks is probably just going to be 220 to 240 with an OPS in the 700s and he'll get on base 35% of the time. He's had a good season statistically. It's just a lot of his production at the plate comes when there's nobody on base. And at some point, man, especially for a guy who's literally hitting in the middle of the lineup at six you got to start coming through in those spots. You are on a seven-year deal. So you got to start coming through. 
it's it's very frustrating because that's that's kind of the definition of empty statistics. You know, we always rag rag on Randall for it with the Knicks. You know, we ragged on him a lot this year for the empty statistics. I don't want to say it's empty yet with Hicks because I think he's had some actual positive impact and you know, towards the the wins the Yankees have been getting. But man, there have been a lot of moments. I mean, two for 16, four for 26. That's 26 at-bats with men on base. And he's not come through 22 of those times. That is awful. Now, granted, he's had a couple of walks in between there. But it's, it's yeah. Now, while we're bashing Hicks, um, during Game 2, again, this is another one of those things where it didn't come back to haunt them. He had an incredibly lazy, way too laid back approach um, when he was getting that ground ball. Vladimir Jr., who's about 747 pounds, you know, makes contact and produces what looks like a simple base hit to center field. Hicks fields it very slowly and lazily. Guerrero stretches that shit into a double. And that really pissed me off at the time because the Yankees were losing. Looked like the streak was going to end there. Uh, But whatever. The main thing with me and Hicks is, dude, you got to start coming through with Ducks on the Pond. Gosh. Um, Anything else? I don't know. There's not a lot of qualms from this. You know, Nestor... Again, like I said, when when he's bad, he's still good. That's twice in a row now. Two starts in a row where he didn't have his best stuff and still manages to produce a quality outing. Um, why didn't Tim LaCastro steal a base there in the end of Game 3? Yeah, I mean, you're literally only in the big leagues for your speed. What you doing? You know? Sure, fallacy, the predetermined outcome, because that single could have scored a run. But still, basic common knowledge tells you you're fast, you're in the ninth inning, it's a one-run game, you're down by one. you got to take that base. Um, I was going to go into this episode actually talking about how I love that the Yankees are not hunting for walks this season. And maybe that's also part of their FU mentality. Judge in particular, not hunting for walks like he has sometimes done in the past. But, of course, in Game 3, I, I actually thought Judge did a little bit of that and Gallo too at the end. Um, you know, if you're Judge, you know you've been vulnerable to that low strike call all of your career. A little less over the past three years, but still you know, more often than you'd like. You know you're a tall guy with a lot of reach. If I'm you, you got to carry that alpha mentality and look for the ribby there. Try to put contact on that ball. Deep sack fly. Get the RBI in. You know, get it in the air and drive it. That's got to be when you jump and be a little bit aggressive. So that frustrated me a little bit there. Gallo the same thing um, in the uh, in the ninth. Game two, another thing that didn't matter. Uh, the decision to sit DJ LeMay was very annoying. I I don't think it was for rest either because they were showing on the, on the telecast that LeMayu was 0 for 8 in his career against Manoa. And Marwin Gonzalez was 
three for five heading into that game against Manoa. And that right there is where I always say enough, and that's where I draw the line with analytics, man. That's where I don't agree with you know, numbers over common sets because that sample size of eight, eight stupid at-bats, eight at-bats, a measly eight at-bats should not carry more weight over who DJ LeMayu is. Right? It's a series against the Blue Jays, the most important series of the season up to date. Again, doesn't matter. They win the game, so I don't want to go too long about it. Um, and, and, you know, DJ's been... He's, he's come down a little bit to earth. He's not batting 350 like he was. But again, I expect him to be where he is right now, exactly where he is. He's sitting in the 290s. He'll hover around 300 all year. That's fine. He's not going to be, you know, 2019, 2020 DJ, but he's definitely going to be a lot better than he was last season when he battled the sports area. He's healthy, and he's having a very productive year as the leadoff man. Uh, Rizzo's crashing a little bit harder right now down to earth. He's been struggling, you know, last six or so games. Um, but you also had to know that was coming. You know, he was never going to lead the league in OPS, home runs and RBIs and all that. Um, he's, I, I still expect him to be a very productive player. One of the best on the team. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Glaber. Glaber Torres. Um, Glaber's actually one of our featured players of the series just because the lineup was so underwhelming. I didn't know where to go. And so Glaber, um, who went two for nine with a single and a home run, three RBIs, a strikeout, and a walks. Yeah, his stats sucked, but he came up big in game one, and that's why I gave him the uh, the featured player uh, of the series, one of the featured players. Because, again, he's clutch. How often do I say he's clutch? Often. I just, again, I just wish he would bring that right center field approach to the plate a little bit more often. Um, so yeah, Glaber gets a, one of the two featured players from our position players. Um, Joey Gallo had the only RBI tonight. He's been, you know, I don't want to say hot. He's been lukewarm, you know, the last eight games, really seven games because he had that one game where he didn't start. For Joey Gallo, he's batting 304, 7 for 23, uh, with three walks, four RBIs, three home runs, a double, three singles. The batting average during that span has jumped. Remember, it dipped all the way down to 122. Since then, in his last eight games, he is at 188 now. You know, <laughs> I knew he was going to catch a, a good streak eventually. But like we've said, it's more about, you know, my takes on him are more about his play style. Right. Um, I don't know. Anything else? Uh, the Yankee Bats, pretty bad all series outside of the one inning in game two, the seventh inning. Um, Aaron Judge was actually the other featured player of the series. In three games this series, he played all three. He goes three for 12, but he had a single, a double, and a home run, three RBIs, and seven strikeouts and a walk. Um, he was the least shitty hitter of the series. <laughs> so, good series for Judge. But, um, yeah, you know, if the offense was, was off, it's fine because the pitching was phenomenal. It continues to be elite. 
the rotation allowed five runs in three games, and the bullpen did not allow a single run in these three games. Pretty good. Anything else before we wrap this up? Um, I had no problem with David Cohn this series. Usually, I have my you know my my share of problems with Cohn and his analytics infatuation, but you know he even sided with the balk this week, which was beyond my beyond me. I was like, wow. Um, the judge. The Judge fan, Toronto fan thing was pretty cool. When Judge hit the homer, Toronto fan catches it. Little boy cries. Toronto fan gives it to the little boy he cries. They hug. Uh, the cameras pan to them a thousand times. They're featured at the, at the pregame today. They were interviewed. Yeah, it was a cool thing. It was a cool story. Um, Nestor Cortez eats apples. And, um, oh, you know, I wanted to bring this up in the last episode about the, or the last series. Um, I was talking about, actually with a couple of people, I was talking to my brother about it. And then I was talking on Facebook with one of my buddies about it. I want the Yankees to get some alternate uniforms in here. And when I was talking on Facebook to one of my buddies, he was saying how, actually my brother said the same exact thing, how they both liked the black uniforms when they played the Dodgers for the players weekend series. I want I like those, but I want them to be Yankee blue, like this, the the blue color that they wear in spring training. I want it to be pinstripe blue. I think that with that uniform design would be awesome, and I think those are excellent, excellent alternate jerseys if they ever do decide to do that. But it's like I get it, you know, the Yankees are the Yankees. They're old school, traditional. You have a home and you have an away. But I, you know, I was watching. You know, this was during the Royal Series, and I was seeing the alternate uniforms they had on during one of those games, and I, I was like, "Wow, those are pretty cool." I wish we could be a little more, you know, new school, and uh, and do that. Um, but yeah, man, that's it. That's all we've got for this episode. We're gonna head to our final break, and um, no, we already did the NYY NYK MMA, didn't we? Top of the show. So that's it. Thank you all for joining. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and um, good series. Again, like I said, I couldn't get the sweep, but you know, if we did get the sweep, it would have been a quadruple sweep, uh, quadruple sweep. so you know, you can't be too spoiled. Sometimes you got to take things as they are, and the Yankees um, now have the day off tomorrow, travel day, going back to New York Thursday, um, and then they'll be back home Friday, Saturday, Sunday to defeat, hopefully defeat, the Texas Rangers in three games. So we'll see what happens. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. And um, I'll catch you in the next one. All right. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm 